overwhelm us with your power. That would be a scary thought if he, if he came in and overwhelmed us. I mean, if he came in and we really felt the power of God. You ever been overwhelmed by God? Ever felt overwhelmed like you were sinking down? We've been studying Jonah the past few weeks. Imagine being in Jonah's shoes, sinking, or I don't know if he was in shoes, however, they threw him overboard, in, his, in Jonah's tunic. Uh, they threw him overboard, and he's sinking down, sinking down, sinking down. And the picture of him being wrapped around with that kelp turban, sinking down to the bottom of the depths before God rescues him. I know about you guys. I love the idea of being rescued by God. And I'm so thankful that God does not abandon me when I abandon him. Because he is the God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, the multiplicity of chances. Anybody else thankful for that? I mean, how many times have we failed God and yet he continues to, continues to reach out, to chase us, to chase us, to reach out and find us? As this last song we sang, leaves the 99 behind to come and find me. To search for me until he finds me. To draw me back into his fold. To do what is needed to bring me back into a right relationship with him. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who's bigger than our little emotional temper tantrums. That we get upset at so many minuscule things in this life, and yet God looks at us, and he must just shake his head and go, ah, if you only knew what I've got in store for you, if you only knew what a true, meaningful relationship with me was like, you would never abandon. You know, as we look in Jonah chapter 3 today, we're looking how God called Jonah out of the belly of the whale, literally, to go to a people who were his enemy, to go and take the message that he already given to him back two chapters earlier, to take the same message with now a slightly different prophet to the people there. Would you agree that Jonah was probably not the same person coming out of the whale that he was going in? I don't just mean the way he looked and smelled sitting in the intestines of this fish for three days with all those gastric juices sitting in the... Uh, I, don't, I can't even, I don't even want to imagine what it must have looked like being spit up on this beach and then going to the people there of Nineveh, maybe dragging himself in, clothes hanging off, then maybe being eaten off halfway through with the juices and... Come and repent. Who would have not? They probably would have run the other way if it had been me. But we're going to look here in Jonah chapter 3 this morning how God did not abandon even those people. This city, this great city the Bible calls it. God did not abandon them even when they had abandoned God. And they had rejected God. They turned their backs on him. God still held out a chance for them to hear the truth. And Jonah was that messenger. Maybe there's somebody in your life today. You're thinking, man, that person, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin, my neighbor, 
I've talked to them, I've talked to them, I've talked to them, and they continue to reject, they continue to reject, they continue to reject. They don't want to hear, they don't want to hear, they don't want to hear. And maybe it's just one more time you need to share with them. One more time you need to invite them to VBS. Maybe one more time you need to invite them to to a Bible study. Maybe one more time you need to tell them how much God loves them. Because maybe it's just that one more time as you've been sharing that they're going to turn their hearts to God. And maybe it's not even you that they're going to respond to. Maybe it's your message, but somebody else is going to come along in a week or a month or a year or five years from now and is going to share, and they're going to share with them one time, and the person is going to say, yes, I need God. And that's, that other person is going to go, wow, that was easy. But they don't know what God's been working and doing in that person's heart for four or five years or months. But are we faithful to, being, to sharing the truth, no matter the cost? Jonah chapter 3 this morning. We're going to actually start at the very end of Jonah chapter 2, the last verse there. In verse 10, he says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. Then the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Pray with me, if you would, this morning. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the message that you have given to us here in the book of Jonah. How you did not abandon Jonah, you did not abandon the people of Nineveh, yet you continued to reach out and invite them to come into a relationship with you, to find you in obedience, to find you and to be submissive to you. I'm so thankful, Lord God, that you are greater than our emotions. You are greater than my desire to serve myself, you are greater than my sin. And you're always, always reaching out to me. This morning, Father God, as we look in your word, open up the truths that are contained in it. Give us principles that we can follow in our own lives so that we might be faithful in following your word and being led by your Holy Spirit every minute of every day. To not seek our own pleasures, not seek our own will, but to follow you and seek your face. Because, Father God, as we know from reading your word, you are our treasure. You are our reward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, as we look at your word, just a reminder of as we're studying the book of Jonah, that it's not so much about the message that Jonah was taking to the people of Nineveh. Whoa, it's got lightheaded for a second. Give me a second. There we go. I don't know what happened there. It's not so much the message that Jonah was taking is the, the, the study that we're doing here, but it's about the, what God was wanting to do in the heart and the mind of Jonah. 
The change he was trying to enact and do in Jonah's life is really what we're looking at here. And then we apply that to ourselves. What is it that God is doing to us? What is the change that God is, re- is doing in and through us through the lives and the message of God's word? And we looked at also how the message he first took to Jonah. He said, I want you to go in chapter 1. I want you to go to the people of Nineveh, your enemies, those that hate you and hate me. And I want you to take to them the message that I'm going to give you, the message of repentance, the message that I'm going to judge this people. And I want you to go and take it to them. So instead of going 550 miles easy travel this way, Jonah says, no, I'm going to travel 2,500 miles that way to go as far as I can to the ends of the earth to get away from what God wanted me to do. And we know this story. He goes down to Joppa, finds a boat, going to Tarshish, the edges of Spain. He goes down into hold, trying to fight, trying to hide from God, get as far away from God as he can. And even in the hold of that boat, God finds him. And in the hold of that boat, while, he's, while Jonah's trying to sleep away his fears and sleep away from God, God sends a storm. The other sailors on the boat, they start calling out to their little godlets, those little tiny, their personal gods that they worship in their own little family. Oh, little God here, little God there, save us, save us, save us. And the storm still persists. They find Jonah in the hold of the ship. What are you doing? How can you sleep away in the hold of the ship? Don't you know that we're about to drown? We're about to die? Don't you go and pray to your little God, and maybe that God will save us? And Jonah says, no. See, I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I serve the God who created the earth, who created the seas. I serve the God who wrought this, brought this storm on us because I'm fleeing from him. He told me he gave me a job to do, and I don't want to do it. So I'm running from him. They throw him overboard. And as the boat is sailing away, there's Jonah, waiting, treading water, treading water, treading water, finally gets tired. The Bible talks about him sinking down in his prayer last week. He's sinking down into the depths. But even there, as he takes his last breath, God does not abandon him. He sends a fish. The Bible says a great fish. We don't know what kind of fish it was. He sends a great fish to swallow him up and keep him safe while God takes him to his destination. <laughs> See, Jonah thought he was running away from God. And God says, no. You have another chance. You have another chance. And then <laughs> verse 2, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited up Jonah on dry land. Imagine the picture of Jonah. I mean, in, in Revelation chapter 3, we talk in the, the church of Laodicea, how their lukewarmness goes up before God, and God says, I want to, your, your actions, your attitudes, your lukewarmness makes me want to vomit you up. Out of my mouth, you make me sick. Literally, God made the fish sick of Jonah and spit him up on the land so he could go and fulfill the mission that God had given to him. When we were preparing to go overseas, especially as we're looking to go into North Korea, we had people come to us and say, what are you doing? Those crazy people over there, what are you doing? How can you go to them? They, they, hate, they hate you. They hate missionaries. They hate Christians. They hate, hate what, everything you stand for. How can you go to them? We had some people come to us and 
couple churches we were speaking in, and they said, how can you go to our enemies? Those North Korean people, they are our enemies. How dare you take the message of the good news of Jesus to those people? And they forgot that at one time we were all enemies of God. At one time, we were all in rebellion to God. And it was our desire to see those people break from their rebellion and get into right relationship with God again. And that's God's desire for the Ninevites as well. As he sends Jonah to these people, he says, well, you need to go and take the message that I'm going to take before you. Look, He says, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, the second chance. He says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. See, Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah didn't want to go to the people of Nineveh. They were his enemies. They were the ones who were getting ready. Every time they came into the land of Israel, they took people and they took possessions, they took food, they took water, took all their good stuff. He didn't want to go to them. They were horrible people. God says, you go anyway. And you take the message that I'm going to give you. Not his own message. What do you think the message of Jonah would have been? Not very nice. Give us back our stuff. <laughs> the message of Jonah would have been one of hatred. Would have been one of just go in there and just blast them, let them have it. And God says, Jonah, I want you to go and you take the message that I'm going to give you, not your own message. So many times, isn't that the case? So many times we speak before God tells us what to speak. Anybody else got diarrhea of the mouth syndrome in here? And you speak and you just... And you're telling people what you want to say to them rather than holding back and letting the Holy Spirit work through you and in you to speak to someone's life. See, I learned a long time ago, and I'm not, still not an expert at this, I learned a long time ago that God is a much better teacher than I am. His Holy Spirit is a much better convictor than I am. And sometimes I still get ahead of myself and i got to take my shoe off and stick it in my mouth and let God just shut me up. Because he is going to convict men's hearts much better than I can. I'm just, I'm here to tell you what God says to say. I'm here to bring to you the message of God's word, the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And not tell you the, the gospel of David. In Genesis chapter 3, I mean, in Jonah chapter 3, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and you call out against it the message that I'm going to tell you. Literally, in the original languages, he says here, the great, the great city of Nineveh, and doesn't translate real well in our English translation, but literally it means that great city to God. See, God looks at Nineveh, even though it was not the people of Israel, it was not the children of Israel, it was not the people that God had set apart to be his people, he looked at that city of Nineveh and all of its evil and all that it was doing wrong. He said, I'm setting apart this city for my work. See, because God knew in the future he was going to use this city to judge the nation of Israel. He says, I need you to go to this city, my city. It's not just great because it's Huge, because it's going to be used by me to judge the world. As we look at the plans of God around the world, 
and we look and see what it is that God has in store for us. Understand that God's plans are huge. They're much bigger than our plans. We may look at some of these cities, we may look at some of these nations, we may look at certain people groups and think, God, just wipe them off the face of the earth. We are your chosen people. We are the children of God. We are the church. How can you be blessing somebody over here? And yet God looks in the future, God looks down the road in the future and he sees how exactly he's going to use these people, how exactly he's going to use this people group, how exactly he's going to use this city, to use this terminology, to meet his goals and his plans for the future. Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah despised the people of Nineveh. Jonah despised the Assyrians. And yet God says, you arise and you go to that great city because I've got a plan in store for them. And you tell the, take the message that I want you to take. See, God is a God of second chances. He's a God of, his mercy is countless. His mercy and his grace and his love is so huge, we can't comprehend it. We, we use words like love. We use words like agape. We use words like phileo. We, and, and, and we try to describe the magnitude of God's love. We try to describe the magnitude and the greatness of God's mercy. And it's falls so short. It's only when we experience God's mercy and grace and love in our lives that we begin to get a little tiny picture. We look at our lives and we see the sin that we've committed and yet God still reaches out to us. We look at the ways we have abandoned God and he still reaches out to us. We look at the ways that I have failed God even this week and he still says, you come back, I'll give you another chance. I will forgive you again and again and again and again. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that's bigger than me. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that's bigger than my church. I'm thankful that we serve a God who's bigger than our community. I'm thankful that we serve a God who's bigger than all of our idiosyncrasies. Because we've all got them, right? All of y'all got quirks, except for me. And God is bigger than your quirks. God's bigger than my quirks. He looks beyond our failures and says, come again. Come again to the throne. Come again to the throne of grace and submit yourself again to me again. Let's look on. You know that the message that he takes, how many of us in here would say we like to be the bearer of bad news? Anybody? What was it that Jonah was taking, the message he was taking to them? You need to repent. You're a bunch of sinners. You've abandoned God. He's coming to bring judgment to you. I think that none of us would really like to take that message. None of us like to be the bearer of bad news to go to people, right? But hidden within that bad news that Jonah takes is the good news. Within that bad news is good news. See, the bad news for us is we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot get to God by our own favor, by our own merit. 
by ourselves. We're sunk. If it was left up to me, no matter how good I am in this world, I'm done. Once this life is over, I'm done. I'm in separation from God for all of eternity. It's it. But, and there's that great word, but there's good news on the other side. If we but submit to God and receive the love of God, receive the forgiveness that he gave us because of the death of Christ on the cross, we can be saved. And those sins that separate us from God, that that keep us from the right relationship with God, the attitude that I carry, the frustration that I carry, that anger that I carry, all those fears that I carry that keep us separated every single day, God says, you give it over to me and I will forgive it. You give it over to me and I will take care of it. You give it over to me and I'll handle it because I'm a great God. So as you look in here and you ever wonder how great God is? He talks about this great city. In verse 3, it says, So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. We talked about that. Three days' journey in breadth. How big is three days' journey? Scholars have tried to estimate how big Nineveh was. Just in a very basic idea, think here to the Wyoming state border. That's the breadth of the city of Nineveh. Much bigger than my arms. About roughly 60 miles, 60, 65 miles. So here, almost to the Wyoming state line, beyond Fort Collins. I'm not sure how far beyond Fort Collins. That's a long ways. That's a pretty big, stinking city. And God says, you need to go to that city and preach my message across the whole thing. Jonah must be thinking, you got to be kidding me. He comes out of the, the fish. And what does the Bible say? How far does he go? I mean, he still had to walk. I mean, he got spit up on the land. He still had to walk 500 miles to, to Nineveh. He gets there, and the Bible says there in verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey. So he goes from here to the 19th Street Mall in Boulder. He goes and stands on the 19th Street Mall and he preaches the shortest sermon ever. And now you all are thinking, Pastor David, why can't you learn from Jonah? (laughs) He says, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The shortest sermon ever. And I don't know exactly what his attitude was. But he, could, he didn't even have the guts to go halfway into the city. He didn't have the, the time and couldn't give the effort to go all the way through it. He just got all the way to 19th Street Mall and stopped and goes, 40 days and y'all are done. Y'all are toast. Bless God. Bless your hearts. And that's all he said. He couldn't elaborate. He didn't pull out his Greek and Hebrew uh, commentaries and pull out Matthew Henry and didn't pull out, def- definitely didn't pull out the Gospel of Moses to try to expound on them how sinful they were. He said, 40 days and y'all are history. God's going to destroy this city. That's kind of the attitude I get from Jonah. 
Yes, he was being obedient. Yes, he was following through with the command of God. But where was his heart? Where was his heart in all of this? He didn't even have the love for these people to go into, all the way into the city. He only had enough to go from here to Boulder. He stopped. Got on a soapbox and says, 40 days and y'all are history. Bye. But what happens? What happens? Verse 5, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They didn't believe Jonah. I almost said Joseph. They didn't believe Jonah. They believed God. The message that Jonah gave was God's message. And God's Holy Spirit worked in their hearts because the Holy Spirit was still around even in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit worked in their hearts to convict them and to let them see the truth of Jonah's words. That they were not just Jonah's message, but it was God's message. It says, they believed God and then they called for a fast and put out sackcloth and the greatest of them to the least of them. The whole city Turns out, the message begins going. This crazy man, whose clothes are probably falling off, he stands up and says, you're going to die. And the message goes out. This man, who we know to be a prophet of God, he stands up and says, gives us a message from God that we are in rejection, in non-submission to God, and we need to get right with him. So they do what they do in that culture. They put on sackcloth, which is a, a picture of their repentance. They put on the sackcloth and they get on their faces before God, confessing their sins, submitting themselves to him and say, we need your help. God, please forgive us. Please, we don't want to die. We need to submit ourselves to you. The whole city. What would happen in our city? What would happen in our midst if we all had that same attitude of those people? Not looking upon our time in church or our lifetime of service, but we looked at ourselves honestly as God sees us. What would happen to our relationship before a holy God if we honestly saw our sin as God sees it. Now we know that as believers, as Christians, God has forgiven us of our sins. He's cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. But we also know that we continue to sin every single day, that we need to get on our faces and confess our sins every single day. We need to get before God every day and recommit ourselves and submit to him every single day because not one of us in here is where we need to be spiritually. Not one of us in this room, myself included, are where we need to be. God desires a holy life. He desires holy living. And if we really, truly saw ourselves the way God sees us, it would scare us. And I'm so thankful that God's forgiven me. I'm so thankful that God has forgiven most of us in this room, that as we come before God, he says, you know, I know you've sinned. I don't hold your sin against you because I've forgiven it. I know you've got this horrible attitude like Jonah, but I don't hold your attitude against you because I've forgiven it. 
You still need to live right. How many blessings do we miss out on because we have an attitude like Jonah who goes and says, 40 days and you're toast. 40 days and you're going to find out just how, you've heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, it's coming here. You remember the stories. Yeah, you're about to discover 40 days that you're going to discover exactly what it is that God has for you. And the people repented. The people put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. See, it didn't matter their position. didn't matter their job in society. didn't matter their how many kids, how few kids. didn't matter what their status from the greatest to the least. They saw their position. They saw their place before God. And they all humbled themselves. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's a Shema. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's unconditional commitment. That is what God requires. That's what God asks of us. Our unconditional commitment to him. See, God committed himself to us. If we look at back in, in, in the Abrahamic covenant, as God commanded Abraham, I want you to cut these animals in half. I want you to pull one half here, one half here, one half another animal here, another half here, another half of this turtle dove here, another half here. And then the blood as it flowed down in the midst, God's fire went past between those animals as he made a covenant with Abraham and his children. See, God committed himself unconditionally to his people and to us who have been grafted into the vine the Bible talks about. We have been grafted into Israel, the children of God. God has committed himself to us unconditionally. How, how can we not do the same? As we learn to love God with our, all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, David, King David in the Bible, you've heard of him, right? He wrote a, he wrote a short book called the Psalms. In Psalm chapter 51, David writes, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit, and then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners to return to you. See, David understood. He says, God, change me so I can go about and teach others your greatness. Start here, God, so I can go about making a difference in, in my community. Start here and change me, mold me, shape me, so I can make a difference to the people that you have given to me. It's not about pointing fingers and saying, God, change them. We can all do that. We're all good at finger pointing, right? But David says, God, change me. That was a change that Jonah needed to experience as well. As he fled from God and God had to get a hold of him, he had to kind of tweak his heart a little bit, to change his heart a little bit, to get him back into the obedient spirit. 
Paul says a very similar thing to Titus. In Titus chapter 3, verse 8, he says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Previous life. But, there's that word again. I love when the Bible says but. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, he what? He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. In other words, not because of how great I am. Not because of how good I am. Not because of how long I've been a Christian. Not because of how many times I've read through the Bible. Not because of my works of righteousness. But in accordance with his own mercy. And by the washing of regeneration, by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Why does God redeem us? Why does God save us? Why does God change us? So that we can exemplify and live out his truth in this world. So that we can glorify him through our lives. Verse 7, he says again, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to his hope of eternal life. So we might become his children. And he gets the glory as a result. Verse 8, the saying is, this saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Why did God want to take a message of Judgment to the people of Nineveh so their hearts would be changed. Why did God want to use Jonah to go and take that message? So his heart could change. Because even though Jonah was a prophet of God, he was not where he needed to be. We saw that back in chapter 1. His spirit was not in line with God's spirit. He ran, and he needed to change. See, God is in the heart-changing business. God is in the heart-changing business. Are we to take the message of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ to the world? Yes. Are we to live lives of righteousness and holiness and to be set apart from this world and the way we live our lives? Yes. But why is that? Because God's getting a hold of us. God's getting a hold of us. He's in the heart-changing business. And the hearts he wants to change are sitting in your seat. Are you willing this morning to let God change your heart, to mold you and shape you into his image, into that picture of what he wants you to be? Not the picture of what I want you to be or even the picture that's in your own mind, but the picture of what he wants you to be. Every single one of us Let me back up. He wants your heart. Are you willing to give it to him this morning? See, Jonah had to learn that lesson, that he is a work in progress. And so are you, and so am I. That we are all works in progress. And sometimes he puts us in situations 
Sometimes they're not fun. So that we can learn to become more like him. So we can be changed from the inside out. When Jesus talks about it's not what goes into the man that corrupts him, but what comes out of the man that corrupts him. So as we live our lives, as we strive to live, be, to live holy lives, God's wanting to change us from the inside out to make us like him. And maybe this morning you're, you say, man, Pastor, I have failed in so many ways. I have abandoned the truth. I've, I've given up this past week. You don't know what I've done. That's right. And I don't need to know what you've done. You don't need to know what I've done. But God knows what you did. God knows what you thought. God knows what you said. And today, you need to get it right. Because God's given you another chance, and another chance, and another chance. But you see, even with the people of Nineveh, he gave them 40 days. But they understood, as a God of second chances, they needed to not wait to the 39th day before they got it right before God. They got it right right then. So this morning, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to ask you very quickly this morning, how many of you would say, Pastor, this, this week, I failed God again. And I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his forgiveness again. And just by a show of hands, you lift up, lift up your hands, not to me, but you lift it up to God and say, God, please forgive me. All eyes closed, all heads bowed still. Thank you. God, please forgive me for my attitude. Please forgive me for my actions. Please forgive me for not living according to your will. And by a raised hand, you're saying, God, change my heart. Make me more like you. All over the room. All over the room. Thank you. See, God's doing a work in people's hearts this morning. God's doing a work in your heart this morning. God did a work in Jonah's heart. Because it's not about the message he took, but the heart that was being changed. So as Drew plays quietly, I want you just to pray silently. You and God, especially if you raised your hand this morning, I want you to pray and say, God, please forgive me. I messed up again. And I need your forgiveness. Father God, I thank you so much this morning, Lord God, for our church. Thank you for those especially who raised their hands this morning, acknowledging before you that they messed up this week. Lord, I don't know what it was. I don't really care what it was. It's between them and you. And by their upraised hands and their prayer this morning, God, they're saying before you and before the world, God, I need to want to change. My heart needs to change. I need to be more like you. 
God, I pray that this next week will be an even better week for them as your Holy Spirit comes into them and you, empowers them to live a life that is holy, that is set apart, one that is committed to your word and committed to you. As Lord, we learn to love you with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength to commit our lives to you unconditionally. Thank you, Jesus, for your constant, constantly being the God of second chances, the multiplicity of chances that you give to us, Lord God, is beyond my, my way of thinking. I praise you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.